right. Uh, we are here. Welcome. Um, this is Futures Focus Prospects 1500 podcast. I am Scott Green, and I'm here with Jake Berry. Jake, how are you? Scott, I'm doing great, man. I'm excited, fired up to get the, the ball rolling on Futures Focus. Doesn't that name just roll off the tongue? <laughs> I love it. And, you know, we kicked, we kicked a few things back and forth, and I think we ran, landed right in the sweet spot here. Of course, of course, the sweet spot is one of my ideas, and I said we're going to go with it. But, yeah. <laughs> but I do appreciate all of the the team coming up with ideas and eventually, you know, drilling down to the one that we wanted to use. A uh, few things we're got on tap for today, and and to let everyone know what our focus is for this podcast, uh, we're going to talk about the futures, uh, the the prospects. The, the players that we hope to be seeing in the major leagues in the next several months to years. Um, this is why we write on our website, and we've all fallen in love with, uh, with these major league baseball, minor league baseball prospects. So uh, Jake is a big part of, of this uh, team with me, and uh, figured we'd just take a couple minutes to introduce ourselves and and let us know where the site kind of came from. So Jake, why don't you start? Yeah, sure. And, and I'll try and be brief. Um, you know, I like, I like hearing how guys and girls get their start in this industry. Um, uh, but I can't get long winded from time to time. So, uh, basically how I got started was I, I grew up in the, uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee area, just South of the, the Tennessee state line there. And, uh, I grew up going to Chattanooga lookouts games and that's really where I I fell in love with minor league baseball and, and the love for that never, never really left me. But when I really got interested in uh, writing about prospects was when my, my Atlanta Braves tore things down a few years ago and traded all our big name guys. And, uh, you know, after about one season of watching a not so good Braves team, uh, I decided I was going to focus on, on the guys we had coming up the pipeline. So, um, you know, as I got deeper and deeper into that, I wanted to put pen to paper and, and I've met some great folks uh, through that and I've had some great opportunities and uh, worked with some great people. So um, that's that's a little bit about how I got started here, still based in the Atlanta area. So I get to a lot of uh, South Atlantic League games and then, um, you know, from time to time, Southern League, Bir Birmingham's just down the road from me, too. So I see a wide array of, of teams, a wide array of prospects, different levels and everything. And. Um, my focus here at Prospects 1500 is covering the Texas Rangers, uh, and then I also contribute to the, the Prospects of the Week, and now happy to be joining you for the podcast, Scott. Sounds good, Jake. Yeah, really excited to have you on board for the Prospects of the Week feature. I've been doing it for a couple years, um, have a couple different writers uh, in 2017 and 2018, so seeing how you and I can can work on that together each week is going to be exciting um it's it's a big undertaking but it's a lot of a lot of work on sunday nights and monday mornings but we'll we'll figure it out and come with come up with a great format i i do want to mention that prospects 1500 uh we're there for the public uh we're there for everyone to to read our site to follow us on twitter and uh, some of our other social media platforms and we do play well with others and so jake i wanted you to just uh let us know what you are doing uh, uh, other than Prospects 1500 and what you've done in the past. I know there are a couple other sites you had written for, so tell us about that. Yeah, so I, I've done a little bit of freelance stuff here and there, mainly pertaining to fantasy baseball, um, some Dynasty, some DFS stuff, but uh, the, the big site that really got me started uh, was a site called Legends on Deck that we still 
Uh, that was founded by David Condy. He's based out of Fort Myers, and, and it's, a, it's a great site. It's a great place. I'd recommend a lot of people to get their start uh, writing. Uh, I've had the opportunity to move into a senior editor role over there. So, you know, I, I put a lot of work in at Prospects 1500 and then, you know, 50% of my time's over there at Legends on Deck as well. And and it's not limited to just fantasy baseball. That's what a lot of my articles are, are you know, focused on. Um, it's not just limited to minor leagues. It's it's all over the place. We, we interview college guys, JUCO guys. Um, we've interviewed uh, bullpen catchers before, you know, all over the place. So. Um, that's just an, an all-around baseball site that, that does a lot of fun stuff, too. Um, and, you know, like you said, every, everybody plays well with others, and, and we, all, we all contribute. That's one thing that I learned early on in this, in this uh, blogging game, if you will, because that's kind of where I got my start, was uh, you're not really competing with anybody. And, and you'll hear us, both of us, Scott, reference other sites and, and other guys and girls that write for other sites and how they put players on our radars and maybe said, hey, you're too high on this guy, so... Um, yeah, no, it's just a, a collaborative effort um, all around. I do have one player who I think was ranked really, really low by another site, and I will bring that up in a little bit. So thanks for mentioning that. Um, I'll go into you know how I got started here quickly, and then we can move on to talking about some prospects. Uh, I have been playing fantasy baseball since I can remember my freshman year in college. Um, we're back in the Late 80s, my friends, and uh, paper to pencil, USA Today, um, box scores um, weekly so we could figure out uh, how our guys did. Um, but then as I got into Dynasty Leagues, probably about uh, 10 or 11 years ago, that's where I started uh, to focus on these prospects. You needed to know who these minor league players were because we we had to build a little farm system with this first real dynasty league I got in. So that's where the interest really began uh, for me. And probably about four or five years ago, I was doing some writing for a site called Dynasty Sports Empire. And I was managing, if you will, their forum. And part of the message board forum they had uh, was a prospects minor league baseball area. So my idea at the time was to get some representatives from around the country to cover specific minor league teams, maybe that were in their ball, in their neighborhood uh, or in their region that they could see some players. Did it for a little while. I had a very small group of people that kind of contributed. It didn't really go that far, and, and I left um, the website shortly thereafter. And uh, a year later, speaking with a few of my co-dynasty league uh, members we wanted to put a blog together and and do kind of what we're doing now um, and the idea at the time was prospects 1001 i don't know where i came up with that name but i registered the uh the blog site and and uh didn't really get off the ground and so we fast forward one more year to i think we're in 2017 at this point no no middle of 2016 and um, Brian Young, uh, who is uh, my partner and, and co-president of the website, he and I uh, discussed uh, a Prospects 1500 blog, and we were going to go for it. And this is kind of uh, late 2016. He said, Scott, let's just register the website. Let's get a URL. You know, our blog you know, really could be done on a website. So we did that. My idea was to get different representatives to cover every team and get some top 50 lists. Um, 
posted by that January. And, uh, and we did. In January 2017, every day of that month, we, we launched a new top 50 list for every team and 30 teams and 50 prospects per team. That's where the name Prospects 1500 came from. And, um, and we've been going from there. And so this past January, we just did our top 50s for the third year. Uh, I've got a great staff, and um, and we're excited to just keep building this thing and, and growing the brand. We've grown tremendously in the last year, so uh, we're excited to have you and everyone on board. Scott, I have to interject here. When you started this introduction, you said in your first league you had a little farm system. I want everybody to know Scott Green does not do little farm systems. He doesn't do any little leagues, so... <laughs> we're playing yeah, my, this, my we're little playing. league is my my 12 year old uh playing ball down the street right yeah yeah we're, scott's over here playing with 30 teams 100 man minor league rosters he, he this is a deep diver over here so that first dynasty league i think it was back in 2007 and it was called you know what it was yeah it was called auction gods the commissioner kind of went awol and we don't know what happened to him but i think my Miners was literally 10 or 15 players, okay? So uh, that's not huge. And I remember some of the guys I drafted in that first year were guys like Jason Hayward, Mike Moustakis. They were prospects back then. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So no, I, yeah. I, I'm still in a handful of those leagues. I'm in a uh, – we refer to it as a keeper league, but, um, you know, it's got five-man minor league rosters and, and 15 teams. and. You know, I, I still like that a lot because um, you can you can get those top exciting guys, and you know if you have one big bust, that can kind of kind of set you back a little bit. Yeah, and so I run the Diamond Duos brand of Dynasty Leagues. Jake, you're in Diamond Duos four, um, and we've got sixty man, hundred man, you know, minor league rosters. But I do participate going into its eighth year, uh, just a, a free for fun Yahoo dynasty league that uh, a friend of mine uh, taylor who lives down in alabama runs and and we have a 15 man miners roster and every year we have a two round first year player draft so it's not like we add a lot of players um but you can pick up anyone during the season at any time you want if if they're out there but we keep our minor leaguers separate on a spreadsheet because we have a yahoo roster that keeps all our other players but but that's interesting where like you i do have leagues with smaller rosters compared to larger rosters yes absolutely all right so we got that out of the way and we kind of talked about our history and and big part of uh our future uh growing prospects 1500 is to launch this podcast where we're going to have the ability to talk about any players we want to talk about I think we're going to try to have a guest on every week. Could be one of our contributors, one of my correspondents, uh, talk about their specific organization and their top 50. It might be a guest that uh, is not part of our staff but is in the minor league baseball prospects industry, and uh, we have a lot of flexibility there. Um, our first guest a little later on this show is going to be Ben Wilson, who is our New York Mets correspondent and he covers the new york pen league for us so we'll be talking to ben a little later uh, but why don't we dip into our top 185 list that we uh dropped back at uh, the beginning of february uh, after we all did our top 50 uh prospect lists in january the site put together 
top 185. How we did it was 17 different contributors uh, submitted their own individual top 100s. And then Brian and I aggregated the data, used the point system, and came up with 185 different prospects being listed. Um, the, the, the bottom ones down near, near, near the end obviously would have only shown up on one writer's list. That's why they made the overall. But um, I have a few guys I wanted to, to touch on from that. And Jake, um, I think you do too. Um, you want to start off just yeah. throwing a few names out there? Sure. And I think I'm going to go in reverse order of the top 185 because – and disclaimer here, I did not contribute to the list, so it's easy for me to sit back and nitpick <laughs> um, and, and blame everybody else. Um, but I'm going to start with Mark Vientos. Um, and I'll have a couple of Mets that I mentioned here too. So I'm looking forward to talking to Ben and, and getting his opinion on these guys. But I'm going to start with Mark Vientos, who um, is a young guy in the Mets system, listed as a shortstop third baseman. Looks like he's going to end up at the hot corner. Um, the guy can already hit for power. I don't see a whole lot of uh, swing and miss to his game, uh, at least uh, with his age to, to level here. Um, he's a guy with great plate discipline. Um, I think he can tap into more power as he matures. I think he's only about 20 years old right now. Um, and I, I kind of focus on the Mets system a little bit because I think it's, it's one, of, one of the sleeper systems out there. And, and I get excited thinking about Mark Vientos, Andres Jimenez, and, and Pete Alonso in that infield together. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. I've seen um, – I missed Alonso in A this past year when Binghamton came through uh, Hartford – he had already been promoted to uh, AAA. I did get to see Andres Jimenez in a game or two, and that was exciting. Um, I have not seen Vientos. He hasn't made it up to AA yet, I believe. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Ben can yell at me uh, when we get him on the line. I think Ben wrote in his Mets Top 50 that Mark Vientos was the heir apparent to the hot corner for David Wright. So I believe so. I, I remember reading that. So yeah, we can yell at him about that. That's high praise from our Mets guy. And, and uh, I think, I think Vientos at 132 on our 185 is a guy who's going to be cracking the, the top 100 around. Mid, good mid call. Yeah. Good call. Uh, let me throw one out there. I'll, I'll do the same. I'll start uh, lower down on the list as, and then we'll go up from there. Um, Nico Horner, he's a uh, Cub shortstop. We have him at 142 on our 185. I think a lot of guys didn't have him in their top 100. Uh, I have him at 93 on mine. And, you know, he was the darling of the Arizona Fall League. And surprise, surprise, he is hitting 7 for 11 this spring, 636 average, um, I guess, in limited time in Arizona with the Cubs in spring training and major league spring training, I should say, uh, with a homer who's got some RBIs. And so, yeah, I don't know if he's going to, you know, be with the team this year, but maybe even by 2020, he cracks the major league roster. And I think he's definitely someone that we should be keeping an eye on. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, he's a guy that kind of, kind of flew on the radar here. I, um, pretty quick. I know he's high on most, most sites list now. I think that he's also one of the uh, best uh, first Bowman cards to get out of the 2018 draft set. You'd know a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to touch on, I kind of rank him and Christian Robinson and the Diamondbacks organization kind of together. 
as not necessarily the same skill set, but they're two guys that just kind of came out of nowhere. There wasn't a whole lot of fanfare around them before they, they signed or anything. So, um, and then they were kind of the darlings after they, they got on board in their systems. Yeah, I know that uh, Ray Butler from Prospect 6, 365 loves Christian Robinson. He did an interview with him. That's a really cool uh, piece on on his website to check out. And you know what? Um, in that uh, Yahoo Dynasty I was telling you about, we just started our first-year player draft, uh, two rounds. And the first guy, uh, he didn't take Mize. He didn't take uh, Nolan Gorman. didn't take Jonathan India. He drafted Christian Robinson first, which I no. thought was pretty interesting. Christian Robinson, I have no doubt, is going to be a great player, but I'm not sure I would pass on a few of those names. Yeah, I know. Um, so um, the next guy I want to touch on, then we'll go into another one of yours, is uh, Jazz Chisholm from the Diamondbacks. Pretty close uh, in ranking here, 85 on our top 185 list. I had him at 84 on mine. Um He's limited in spring training action this spring, three for 14, but hopefully he's going to be able to spend um, most of the season at double A. He hasn't reached double A yet, but has had a, a couple good, really good years in, in a ball. Uh, a lot of eyes are on him. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, he's going to be a, a high average guy. I, I like the, the speed potential. Um, and it's funny that you brought him up after Christian Robinson, not only because they're both in that Diamondbacks organization, but, um, there's a lot of players coming out of the Bahamas now. And, and these two guys, Jazz Chisholm and Christian Robinson, are kind of the guys who are, are going to put that, uh, you know, that country on the map as a, as a baseball power. But, yeah, with Jazz, you know, what I love is I love a good power-speed combination. And, and I'm not sure if he has a, uh, a high rank on his game power as of right now, but you can see it in the swing and you can see it developing. And, um, you know, he's got the wheels, too as a lot of those guys do who are coming out of the Bahamas. So um, very high on jazz as well. All right, cool. Who's next on your list? Uh, next on my list is I'm actually going pitcher here. I'm going Brady Singer. Um, and this is more of a reflection of the Royals draft uh, overall for me. I, I really liked what they did going after their college arms, um, in particular the Florida arms. They got a couple of Florida guys in the first round, but – um, I'm really excited for Brady Singer after a good career at Florida. Um, if you guys read my work, you'll know that I love a one. I love a college arm who's played at a high level uh, like the SEC. And two, I love a developed changeup. And while there's still room for improvement on Singer's changeup, uh, he throws it consistently. He throws it pretty well. Um, he fills up the strike zone, too. But he has that ability to paint the black. So he's not just throwing strike, strike, strike. You know, he can really mix his pitches well and mix his locations well. And, and uh, I think Brady Singer is going to be the ace of the next good Royals team. Now, when that next good Royals team is going to be, I can't tell you, but he'll, he'll, he'll be on that staff for sure. Sounds good. Um, I, I'll throw out a pitcher. Um, he's probably at the top of a lot of uh, people's rankings, I would say, uh, behind uh, maybe right behind jesus lozardo but uh, he's lighting it up this spring and chris paddock could crack the uh, padres opening day roster maybe even be the opening pitcher opening day pitcher um, he's leading all of baseball in strikeouts this spring um, still a prospect he's 38 on our top 185 a couple months ago uh, i had him at 34 on my own list probably going to be creeping up the numbers, uh, creeping up the rankings uh, from there. Uh, but 
I think he's just an absolute stud, uh, stud to be for several years. And um, you like Paddock? Yeah, I do. And I got so we had a keeper startup league. Um, it was actually that league I was telling you about that's got five man minor league rosters over there. Um, and he didn't go, it was an auction draft and he didn't go in this entire, let's see, 270 players drafted in the auction. And then I actually got him in the fourth round of the minor league, uh, draft. And, and I think a lot of guys are kind of kicking themselves for, for that value that can return value this year. I mean, exceptional value this year. And I was kind of building a team for the future as I do with keeper startup leagues, but um, you know, if, if Paddock's going to jump the gun and be up and contributing a little earlier than I thought, I can't speak for you guys, but a little earlier than I thought, then, you know, that's even better. Exactly. Um, all right. And uh, one other guy I wanted to throw out, uh, we can talk briefly about from our top 185 list. He's up near the top. I love Alex Kirilov from the Twins, uh, 13th on our list. I had him 10th on my own list. Um, hasn't hit double A yet. Um, I, I know he was drafted in our 50 round NFBC style draft, which is only draft and hold only players that are going to make the majors this year. We can touch on that, uh, draft in just a little bit here, but, uh, I'm hoping he, you know, is in double a for, uh, for this season. And he's right, right up there in, in, uh, the top of some of uh, these overall rankings. Dave Fennell, our twins correspondent has him at number two right behind Royce Lewis uh, on his list. Uh, I guess this guy's a hitting machine. I haven't seen him live yet, but really looking forward to being able to do that. Can I float one more out to you, Scott? Please. I'm curious to know your take on Sixto because I love the guy. I understand the injury concerns. I understand the, the reliever concerns. But to me, Sixto Sanchez is either going to be a – mid-rotation starter maybe if he can hold up or at the very least he's going to be a dominant late inning guy so I see a lot of a lot of people raise concerns about him filling into a reliever role but I think he's going to be just as valuable as a reliever as he would be as a starter I agree with you I think uh, the trade was good for him I think there's a lot of different arms in the Philly system that he was battling with um so moving to Miami is going to give him an opportunity to, you know, get into that rotation. I also love Sandy Alcantara, who showed some nice things towards the end of last year. But yeah, give Sixto a chance. Uh, could be mid to top of their rotation, and if not, he'll go right into the bullpen. Yeah, and you know he's not just a fastball arm either, which I think a lot of people lose sight of. And if you put him into a one inning situation i mean that's just going to play all three of his his plus pitches up even more i almost like him more as a reliever than i do as a starter to be honest with you i know that sounds crazy but (laughs) Uh, who knows what the marlins are going to do with their bullpen too right yeah no kidding um all right so getting past our top 185 list and definitely if you haven't seen that uh go to prospects1500.com and and write up at the uh, top of the site in our main navigation banner, you'll see a uh, top 185 uh, button, so you can easily find that there. Um, and we'll probably update that sometime later in the season, um, probably as we get towards the end of the summer, uh, early fall after the MLB draft. Uh, I usually like to update it somewhere in the 
you know, August, September range. Give, give, give us a couple other guys. If you, if you got one or two, I've got, I've got a few listed here that weren't on our list overall list that maybe will be uh, later in the year or just guys that we should maybe keep an eye on. Yeah, I've got one. Um, and I think he didn't necessarily make the list because he is an extreme upside type of guy. Um, Real toolsy, athletic guy, and that's Brian Rochio, who's actually a switch hitting shortstop in the Indians organization. One of those international prospects that we didn't have a whole lot of data on, and it doesn't help that he's let's see listed at 150. Um, you know, typically 5'10", 150 doesn't really really grab the eye. Um, so 18 years old right now, but for his size, he's got a little more pop to his bat. And I've seen in the brief film that I've seen on him, the swing looks good from both sides of the plate as well, which is which is a good sign. And and his the power that he has right now really doesn't come from uh, what you see with a lot of these younger guys. It doesn't come from pure strength. I mean, it's a fast bat. It's quick hands. It's it's a pretty developed swing for an 18 year old switch hitter. Um, so he's a guy I'm pretty excited about. I haven't seen him cracking a ton of lists. Um, I think the Fangraphs guys might might have him on their list. Um, but he's a guy that I would encourage one. I think he will definitely be on our top 185 if that's still what it is come mid season. Um, and two, he's a guy I would encourage folks to, to check in on in your dynasty leagues, because, um, chances are the owner that has Rochio probably knows a little bit about him. Um, but a lot of upside here with, uh, with that Indian switch hitter. Just taking a look at the Indians' top 50 list that John Stewart did for us in January, he's at number five on his list. He likes him a lot, and um, definitely, thanks for bringing him up. Uh, certainly a guy we want to uh, track in 2018. Top uh, five on our Indians list, but didn't crack the 185. That's not a good sign. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting to see where, you know, I, we might have some, you know, top five you know one two three four five guys that didn't make the list but then we've got maybe players lower on their on their team top 50s that did make it it's just weird how it uh, how it works out uh, I wanted to throw just three names out there and then we'll uh, we'll probably take a quick break Braden Bishop of the Mariners is back he he lost most of last year with an injury he's number 10 on uh, Joe Rush's Mariners top 50 list this year uh, he's He's doing really well this spring, hitting 379 with a few homers and 1143 OPS. Um, he's probably going to uh, start somewhere, you know, double A, triple A, um, but definitely could make uh, his major league debut in in 2019. Um, Austin Hayes, maybe a little lost after last year, had a down. 2018 uh, still prospect eligible for the Orioles uh, I did not even rank him in my top 100 uh, he came in at 112 um, on our list actually so he wasn't uh, he, he was actually part of it um, but he's having a great spring hitting 364 four homers um, he could be a, a part of the Orioles outfield for years to come and crack the opening day roster and we'll see what happens with him. Um, I, have you seen him play or have thoughts on Austin Hayes or Braden Bishop? Well, Austin Hayes is a guy that I'm targeting late in reject redraft leagues right now. Um, I think he's a good buy low candidate. Uh, I think a lot of people are, are sleeping on him. I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Orioles in general. I'm, I'm taking uh, 
Cedric Mullins too. So, you know, I like that combo. I like Mullins. I like Austin Hayes. Um, not a whole lot of bright spots on that Orioles roster, but uh, I'm not sleeping on Hayes by any means. Cool, cool. The last one I want to mention is uh, second baseman, third baseman from the Astros, 26 years old, 14th round pick in 2014, and he's been uh, hitting well uh, everywhere he plays in the Astros minor leagues since then. And of course, this spring is having a wonderful um, time down in Arizona. Uh, Nick Tannelou, um he's number 32 on Brandon Lutz's top 50 Astros list. And he's like the darling this spring training. Um, I don't think he's going to break with the with the big league team but maybe this is the year he gets his chance he's he's got four homers 13 RBIs uh, a few doubles a triple hitting over 340 this spring um and some people have never heard his name I for one running a prospects website and I of course read all of our top 50s I didn't remember the name Nick Tannelou um, until I started seeing what he was doing this spring. So, of course, I had to go and look in our lists and see where he was on other rankings. And now I'm going to definitely be following him this year. Yeah, he, he could be a great story. I mean, he puts up, it, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know a ton about him. Um, and I, I'm not one to, to scout box scores or, or stat lines or anything. But, you know, when he's been on the field, it looks like he's put up some pretty good offensive numbers. So I already used my claim for the month in Diamond Duos 4, but in 1, 2, and 3, I did claim him. So see if that helps me out in, the, in, in our Dynasty League this year. That's the perks of running these top 50s over here, Scott. Exactly. So why don't we take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, I know we wanted to take a look at some of the prospects we drafted in our huge 50-round draft, and then we'll touch on uh, your Rangers uh, top 50 prospect crushes and then i'll throw out a few of my red Sox uh top 50 prospect crushes and uh, and we'll go from there so we'll we'll be right back and this is futures focus the prospect 1500 podcast all right we're back on futures focus our Prospects 1500 podcast. I'm Scott Green here with Jake Berry. Thanks for joining us on episode one. Uh, we're going to dive into uh, some prospect names here that uh, we just as a team finished a really long, arduous, fun NFBC style draft. So if you're not familiar with NFBC, fantasy baseball uh, leagues, they're draft and hold. What draft and hold means is you draft 50 players, 50 rounds, um, and you hold your team for the whole year. There are no transactions. There are no trades. There are no uh, ads, drops, waivers, anything. So the draft is the be-all, end-all. And most uh, NFBC leagues uh, have 15 teams. And 750 players are drafted. Well, of course, I always want to go bigger and better. And I uh, wanted to get as many of the Prospects 1500 contributors uh, involved as we could. So uh, a lot of people said that they were interested. I created the league on Fantrax. And um, 
as I set it up with 30 teams, the uh, the message at the top of the screen says, so you have so many days until you'll need to upgrade this to, you know, premium, um, which is like, uh, it's it's affordable if you're using Fantrax for Dynasty Leagues, which is an, a great platform. I think it's like it was sixty or seventy dollars. So I said, well, how many teams can I get in on the free platform? So I looked in the settings, and you have up to twenty four. So that's where we went with. I said, all right, first twenty four people in for this league, uh, we'll do it. So we had a fifty round draft for twenty four teams, twelve hundred players. Jake, do you know how long the draft took? Just off the top of your head. No, but it felt like forever. I also had TGFBI and then another slow auction going on at the same time. I, I looked at it and it uh, I think it was we started around um, February 12th and we ended on March 12th. So about a month. That's, that's not bad. That's not a lot bad for 50 rounds. Yeah. Although we did start out with a four hour clock and that went down to a two hour clock and that went down to a one hour clock because I needed to keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that was interesting. It'll be very intriguing to see uh, how how we do with these rosters that are just so darn deep. But uh, as you can imagine, and and this is for major league statistics only, there were a lot of prospects that were drafted. Um, I I have a bunch on my team just because I was. I was kind of running out of major league options after round 30. I was looking for those players that were maybe triple A guys that will definitely see time in the major leagues. And then maybe some other, you know, sleepers that are, you know, could make the jump from double A um, spring training darlings like Nick Tantalou and uh, I, a few names I wanted to actually throw out and get your thoughts, see if you, you had anything to say about them. Two angels that I picked are Matt Theis, the first baseman. And I think he's definitely going to see time in the majors this year, maybe even opening day roster. And uh, infielder Jose Rojas, who's been kind of flying under the radar, but having a really good spring. And um, I know that uh, our our angels correspondent Andrew Rhodes really likes Rojas too. Um, Michael King of the Yankees. I, before he came up with an injury uh, earlier this spring, uh, there were talk, there was talk of, of him definitely uh, seeing time at some point this year. He's, he's had success uh, through every level so far. Uh, had a really great 2018 in the Yankees system, I think across three levels. And uh, I, I'm, I'd love to see him, even being a Red Sox fan, I'd still love to see Michael King in the Yankees uh, uniform. And uh, the last guy, and then I, I just want to get your thoughts on these four, Zach Houston, I think is the future for the uh, Tigers bullpen. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as, long as, as long as Joe Jimenez doesn't block him. Yeah, well, I I don't think he will. <laughs> it was actually somebody that I drafted in uh, for my squad over here was Joe Jimenez. So. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think Matt Thais is an interesting uh, pick here. Um, you know, they signed Justin Bohr this offseason, too, so that's going to be a little a little jam packed over there. And and Scott, I'm I don't know if you're done, but I'm glad you went first because. I did not go prospects in this in this draft whatsoever. I mean, I went. Let's see here. I went. I mean, I drafted Lucas Duda. If that tells you anything. Yeah. See, and I was going, and that's the thing. So we all have our strategies. 
I wasn't going to take a Lucas Duda because I figured, oh, maybe there's a younger guy with some some higher upside that maybe will be with the team for, you know, two thirds of the year or a third of the year. So that's the way I went. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I took a lot. I could throw so many of these names out there. Sean Anderson, Griffin Canning, John Duplantier, Ryan Helsley, Mike Schwarren, Spencer Turnbull. All these guys are on my bench, but maybe they make major league uh uh maybe they get some major league time this year louis sessa joe palumbo um and houston and king those are just pitchers but right. uh, I, I think they could all definitely see time guys like richard urania they could help you win this league richard urania uh, you know with bichette and biggio and in vlad coming for the infield in toronto i don't know that urania has a lot of major league time left but for this year only he definitely could, you know, put up some stats for me. So I won't bore anybody with my <laughs> with my team here because it's not, you know, people are here to hear about prospects, and, and my team is not prospect heavy. I do have a handful um, guys who have actually seen major league time though, but can still be or still technically prospects. I only have two position players, yeah. Chris uh, and Kyle and Kyle Farmer. I think I only have two pitchers. Both of them are Rangers relievers. One is Kyle Bird. And the other is Jonathan Hernandez, who I'm not sure Hernandez will will be up this year. Um, but just to kind of give folks a, uh, an idea of the difference in our strategy here, where everybody was taking prospects because we're a prospect site, that's what we do. Everybody was taking prospects late in the in the draft here. My pitchers on my bench are Shelby Miller, Clayton Richard, Chris Stratton, Jason Vargas, just to name a few, just to tell you guys where where my strategy was at in this draft. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so you know those guys are going to be with the major league team if they're healthy. Right, if they're healthy. That's the big thing. Yeah. All right. Well, so we'll see you at the top of the standings, right, Jake? I hope so. All right. So, all right, our next segment here, we're going to just uh, do a little uh, short dive into our deep dives, our top 50s. Um, Jake is our Texas Rangers uh, correspondent for Prospects 1500. I cover the Red Sox. So, we wanted to just throw out some names that are some of our favorites, some of our uh, prospect crushes, if you will, um, and uh, you know, just banter about them for a little bit. That's why we're here. Um, we all love the Rangers and Red Sox uh, minor league systems, of course. So who you got? I don't know if it's cheap for me to go with my number one guy, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, number one guy for me in the Rangers system, and crush is a good word to use is outfielder Bubba Thompson, who was a two sport, two sport athlete in high school. And as you guys read my list, you'll, you'll learn that I love those athletes, those guys who, who have played multiple, multiple sports back in the day, and then also have good solid baseball mechanics. I don't think Bubba Thompson is getting, I haven't seen him number one anywhere else. I think he's getting a little more love than he has in years past. And while in 2018, I didn't have him number one by any means, I think I was still the high guy on him. Um, I see five-tool potential in Bubba Thompson. I always have to put a disclaimer on that. doesn't mean he's going to be Mike Trout. I think he's going to have solid tools across the board. Um, he has the ability to stick in center field. The big question is, is when you look at the Rangers position players, um, the top guys are all outfielders, all guys who can play center. So, so where he'll play is, is unclear, but he will be an everyday player. Um, Great speed. That's why he was drafted so high in the first place. And his power just keeps getting better and better and better every time the guy steps on the field. 
Hey, Jake, about uh, Bubba, I wanted to ask you, uh, because I know you love him. He was in my queue in that big giant draft we just did, but I didn't pull the trigger on taking him just because I didn't think he's ever going to see the major leagues this year, maybe 2020. Do you agree? Oh, maybe, maybe 2020. I think the challenge here, like we touched on is there's no chance for 2019. I think the, the challenge here is they're stacked with outfielders. Um, They've they've got Julio Pablo Martinez, who is highly touted Leody Tavares, who a couple folks might have some, some prospect fatigue on. And that's really going to play a role in where he starts 2019 as well. I think he deserves to be, um, I think he deserves to end the season maybe in Frisco at double a, but, it's it's hard to tell right now with uh, with that big jumble of, of center fielders. Speaking of Leody Tavares, if I could just uh, do a little side note on that, one of the uh, great photographers of minor league baseball that's out there, his name's Patrick Cavey. You can find Patrick on Twitter uh, and on Instagram. He's got a, a Facebook uh, page for his uh, minor league photography as well. Um, he has a couple amazing shots of Tavares from last year. Um, was it down East that he was playing for? Yeah. And just, I noticed it yesterday that one of the images we used on our uh, Rangers top 50, I think it was, or maybe it was the follow-up article that you did. Um, it was featured by minor league baseball on their Instagram account yesterday. So that's pretty cool. I wanted to give Patrick a shout out. Yeah, there's there's two photos from Patrick of Leody in my top fifty. It's the one of of Leody's write up and also the the feature image too. You're right, yeah. great work from Patrick. Yeah, so the, yeah, that was the one I wanted to to mention. So very cool. All right, so Bubba Thompson, we've all got to uh, remember that name. Someone else, a couple other guys. Rangers. Yeah, you're gonna go ahead and run through my guys. Yeah, let's do yours, and we'll move over to the Red Sox. Okay. Um, so the next guy I'll highlight is uh, Shirt Nefostel, who's a guy who's kind of uh, jumped on the radar, not not as much as Christian Robinson and Nico Horner have. Um, but I'm a power guy. I always have been a power guy, and, and I'll take a little swing and miss from my young guys as long as they're smashing the baseball. And, uh, you know, I kind of talked about Rocio earlier about his thin frame, quick hands. Shirt Nefostel is the exact opposite of that. This guy's 6'4", um, and... and Probably 97% of his body is muscle, and the dude just crushes baseballs. Um, it makes for a good uh, a good show when you're watching watching film on him because every swing is big, and he gets the barrel to the ball quite often. Um, I'm hoping that he'll get a shot at Hickory, so it's easy for me to get out and, and see him in person. Um, whereas the Rangers are a little more conservative with, the, with their young pitchers now. They're still aggressive with their – position players so I'm hoping to get to see him at Hickory and uh, he's probably my favorite position player in the system that's not an outfielder so he's, he's a third baseman and and mashed in short season last year and hopefully they, they they're aggressive with him cool um, and then my next guy and is I'm gonna highlight a guy here that that I'm probably a little bit lower on than most and you know I'm not afraid to admit when I was wrong on a guy I'm not afraid to eat crow as I like to say, um, and that's Anderson Tejeda, who's a who's a shortstop in the Rangers system. And when he first came onto the scene, I I saw him as a, an exceptional defender. Don't get me wrong, but you know what what people what people tend to forget sometimes, especially some some folks that that read my work, is 
is I'm writing fantasy baseball lists. I'm not writing real life lists. While I do put some stock into a guy who can stay at an elite defensive position, I don't value that glove or that arm or that range, whatever it might be, nearly as much as I would if I was trying to construe a real life list. Mm-hmm. And that was the case with Tejada. And the guy still has some concerns with his offensive game for me. Um, 20-year-old shortstop who has made some strides with the swing, but the guy, he strikes out like nobody's business. And I know that I said I don't mind the swing and miss, but he doesn't have the power production uh, to be striking out 142 times in 120 games. So if the power swing can develop a little bit more, I mean, if he ends up being, I think he hit 19 last year in high A, which which is pretty good. Um, But if he can hit 30 and strike out 142 times, I'm all right with that. But, um, you know, he's continuing to develop, so so we'll see. The jury's still out on him. I wouldn't be mad if somebody had him in maybe a top eight or so, but I think I have him at 11 on my list. I think he's a guy that I had drafted a couple years ago and maybe even dropped him in one of my deep dynasty leagues last year. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe he's he's someone that's going to you know put together uh, a great year this year, and maybe he should uh, be on all of our radars again. And Scott, briefly, I want to touch on one more guy, Cole Reagans, who was down with Tommy John surgery last year, who was one of the top pitching prospects in the system. The Rangers had a great draft with pitchers, so he's kind of been an afterthought. Don't sleep on Cole Reagans this year as he comes back from uh, Tommy John. Awesome. Thanks for uh, giving us those Rangers names. I have four Red Sox names, two pitchers, two hitters that I wanted to throw out there. I'll be brief, um, but definitely names that uh, I'm excited about for this year. Um, the first one, he's not really uh, a surprise or a sleeper anymore. Uh, I ranked him seven uh, a couple months ago back on my top 50 list. Maybe it was a little high uh, at the time, but with with the hype that's behind him and um, talk of uh, the Red Sox not signing any free agent uh, relief pitchers that maybe he could even debut this year was uh, their third round draft pick from last season and that's Durbin Feltman um uh, he was uh he, he's going to be 21 years old on opening day uh I love Durbin Feltman and uh three levels last year short season Lowell full season A ball in Greenville and he made it up to high A in Salem uh he put up some eye popping numbers uh, 13.9 k's uh, per 9 uh, he had four saves his ERA was under 2 he just made his first uh, like major league spring training debut the other day, threw an inning, had a couple strikeouts, no hits. Uh, so we're all excited in New England to see if uh, he can be kind of the post-Craig Kimbrell um, savior of the bullpen uh, here for Boston. Uh, and, uh, one player I got to see uh, last year once in Lowell, uh, short season ball, uh, is Jaron Duran. He's 13th on my Red Sox uh, top 50 list. Um, he um, He's 22 years old. He was uh, also drafted last year in the seventh round. Just a great talent. I'll call him a four-tool player, maybe because he doesn't have the power, but uh, a lot of speed, hits for, uh, hits for average, drives in some runs. Um, he needs to walk a little bit more. Um, his strikeout rate was just under 16% last year, but this is his first year in pro ball. Um, I think that we'll probably be looking at, uh, seeing him in high a this year. He made it uh, up to 
to Greenville last year. So Jaron Duran, definitely, uh, you know, a prospect for uh, Red Sox uh, fans to watch. A couple other names. They might be names that uh, people haven't heard of because we do go so deep on Prospect 1500. Um, One of them popped up uh, once or twice as we were looking for prospects of the week last year. And I definitely wanted to get him in my top 30. So he came in at number 27, and that's Bray and Bello. Uh, Bray and Bello uh, was an international signing and uh, just, I think, a total sleeper uh, alert. So, you know, he is someone who um, almost 10 Ks per nine, um, a great 7.4 Ks per walk ratio, which is pretty cool. Uh, 1.60 ERA he had last year. This is this is um, pretty much in rookie ball. And the rookie ball stats, uh, we can't really, uh, you know, look at that they're going to continue You take them with a grain of salt but uh, bray and bello has some amazing stuff and i wanted to uh make sure that some of our listeners and those in in deep dynasty leagues maybe uh, take a stab at him um if it's really really late in your drafts or sometime during the season if he's doing well you know you know grab him you know use one of your claims if you've got him and then the last person i wanted to mention um is uh, Tanner Nishioka. He is a ninth rounder from 2017 out of Honolulu, Hawaii. He spent most of last season in A-ball, did get a few games in double-A in early June. Um, But you know what? The Red Sox have so many third-base prospects in in the pipeline with, with Tristan Casas and Bobby Dahlbeck and Michael Chavis and Brandon Howlett. Uh, where's Nishioka going to go? I don't know. And he's, he's years away. I, I have him maybe late 2021, mid 2022 as an ETA, but that's just, you know, my ballpark, but I don't think the name is out there for a lot of people, um, to know. So, uh, that's my job and I'm putting it out there. Remember Tanner Nishioka. So that's what I, that's what, that's what I got for you, Jake. Can I ask you about one guy and he's, I was looking for him on your list. I know I saw him. Yeah, 38. Yon Ibar. Yeah. Um, now, I have this weird fascination with two-way players and also converted guys. Um, the Rangers have a couple of guys that they've tried to convert from outfielders to pitchers. It doesn't look like it's going to pan out for him so far. Um, was last year the first year that Ibar converted to a relief pitcher? I believe so. And, and uh it's just an interesting name, and and he wasn't doing much uh, the last couple years as an outfielder. Um, so I guess you know, let, let's give it a shot. I don't know uh, exactly their plans for Ibar, but um, he he started to put up some decent numbers uh, throwing the ball. So it certainly makes his way onto the top fifty list. But I could also say that for number fifty one B on my list too, um, Trey Ball. He's a first-round pick from uh, 2013. He's still hanging around. His pitching has not gone well. So, hey, Trey Ball wants to be an outfielder and do some hitting. So let's let's see where that takes him. Yeah, and, and props to you on uh, Jaron Duran, too. I got him for a steal in a separate dynasty league that uh, was a name that I knew but wasn't high on my list until I, I saw your top 50. All right, very cool. 
So, so there's our little quick deep dive into our top 50s. This is something that we plan to do uh, on a regular basis here on Futures Focus. We will talk to our uh, correspondents from uh, around the country that, uh, and in Canada, I, I will add. We have a couple writers who live up in Canada, too. Um, but we will have guests, and uh, they will dive into their organizations, and, and we'll do all things prospects here on this uh, podcast. So our next segment is going to be with uh, Ben Wilson, who's our Mets correspondent and New York Penn League um, coverage person. So we'll be talking to Ben in a little bit. But uh, before we break, anything else you want to uh, mention, Jake? No, I don't think so. That was, that was a lot of fun. All right. Yeah, this is this is good for our first episode. So uh, we'll be back in just a little bit. And uh, thanks for listening to Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. Welcome back to Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. I'm Scott Green with uh, Jake Berry. And right now, we are proud to welcome in our very first guest on our first episode here. And we're going to bring in Ben Wilson. Ben uh, writes for us and covers the Mets and New York Penn League, but he's done a lot of things uh, before he joined our site. So welcome along, Ben. How are you? Hey, thanks so much for having me on. It's great to be here. And I'm honored to be the first guest, and things are going great. So we're we're getting started with baseball. Start of the season's right around the corner, so it's as good as it can be. Awesome. So uh, in January, you uh, contributed to the website with your New York Mets top fifty, and uh, we're going to be doing some uh, continue continued coverage of the Mets through the season for us, along with some hits on the New York Penn League. But why don't you uh, tell everyone? Just a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and, and why you uh, have kind of joined up with us. Definitely. So I jumped into writing, uh, actually, when I was a grad student. So I was finishing up graduate school, and um, I'd started on a blog with uh, called Real McCoy Miners um, with Mark Nikolov. And Mark has been a great mentor to me and really jumping in and um, helping me find my voice as a writer. Um, and for him, I was doing uh, player profiles. I did a Rule 5 article and was doing some uh, deep dynasty writing for him. And, you know, really because I have always had an interest in some of the deeper dive type of prospects. And it was really pretty soon after that, um, Scott, where you actually found my writing through Mark and gave me a lot of public support. And that was really huge for me. I grew my confidence and had interacted with a few other people on Twitter, one of whom is John Calvagno, who I've been writing for him and contributing to his website, Notes from the Sally, um, doing some Pirates interviews on Pittsburgh Pirates players. And just honored to be in the same interview space as, you know, industry titans like Ralph Lifshitz and Jason Panini and our very own Michael Parnell as well. So, um, you know, I really do a lot of different things um, just with minor league prospect writing and 
you know, I live in upstate New York, so I'm glad to uh, get eyes on the New York Penn League. Um, I'm closest to Auburn, New York, so I get to see the Auburn Double Days. And it's great that the Syracuse Mets um, are moving here from Las Vegas this year, so get to see um, the AAA Mets in addition to um, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Um, so that's there's a lot of great baseball in this area, so happy to yep. cover it. You get the Syracuse Mets, but I'm sure you're going to uh, dearly miss the the uh, Syracuse Chiefs Nationals uh, AAA affiliate from years past. Well, it's funny you say that because I had um, the first Chiefs game I saw was actually when I was in college. In 2010, I saw Steven Strasburg's AAA debut, um, and he was already just by far the best player on the field and just dazzled that day. And uh, he even had an RBI single that day. So, you know, definitely there's so there's been some great prospects coming through Syracuse on the national side, but it'll be great to really get that pipeline on the Mets for sure. Jake, you and Ben will probably uh, not believe this, but being a little older than you guys, I can date myself. I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but when I was in Syracuse for college, um, they were the AAA affiliate of the Blue Jays. And uh, there were guys that I saw come through there, kind of uh, some names you might be familiar with. Catcher, Carlos Delgado. Um, outfielder Sean Green. How about those names? I think I've heard I love it. those guys. <laughs> That's going back a ways. I love. Uh, I always remember Sean Green for he always gave away his batting gloves to a fan in the front row whenever he hit a home run, which I thought was just a wonderful thing. And you know, Carlos Delgado is another great example of so many great players coming up as catchers. You have someone like Josh Donaldson or Pablo right. Sandoval to a different degree, but. Um, it's always fun to see who comes up as a catcher. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that's, uh, let's get back on track here. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's funny. So you can follow Ben on Twitter at TBdubs11. Um, and Ben, why don't you tell us, uh, you know, uh, who you saw or some standouts from the New York Penn League that you're, you're wanting to keep an eye on this year? Definitely. So, I was fortunate enough to see a few different players come through. Um, for me, first and foremost, one of the big names from the New York Penn League who's going to be moving to full season for the first time is Tyler Freeman of the Cleveland Indians. Um, I had seen the Mahoning Valley Scrappers is their uh, squad name in the New York Penn League. And that team was just loaded. I had written up an article uh earlier in the summer about a lot of players on that team, but I had highlighted Tyler Freeman because he's really a guy who is gaining some definitely industry wide attention. And I really like Tyler Freeman because he's one of those guys that puts the New York Penn league on the map. So the New York Penn league doesn't have, they actually don't award an MVP trophy, but Tyler Freeman was definitely the MVP you know, he led the league in hits and uh, batting average, and he was just an absolute stud this year. Yeah, you can, he really gets a lot of Michael Young comps, just in terms of, you know, just his really bat-to-ball skills. 
And I think he's just a really exciting player. So I'm a big, big believer in Tyler Freeman. Um, I saw just, he just puts the bat, the bat on everything. So for him, I think he's just going to be a really exciting name um, for the Indians and for someone, I think, to just really pay attention to um, for sure. Very cool. Hey, Ben, you did you have Freeman down near the bottom of your own top 100? I did. So he he was number 100 on my list. I really wanted to get Tyler Freeman on. I've seen him start to actually creep on to some other uh, industry top hundreds, which is really exciting. I've seen him as high as 70 on other publications. And uh, he snuck on actually to some lists, I believe, tail end of last season. So particularly for fantasy. Um, so yeah, he's, he, he made our, he made my hundred, uh, that, that I'd submitted. And so because he did make your top 100, he made our top 185 coming in at number 185. (laughs) Yes. He may have been Mr. Irrelevant on our list, but he's definitely, I think one that baseball fans are going to really fall in love with. Uh, he plays the game with just such a smile and, uh, um, it, and actually just seeing seeing some some pictures it looks like he put on some bulk this off season so i think a lot of that doubles power is going to really start to translate so he's a, he's going to be a big time player so when our uh, prospects 1500 crew is in cleveland uh this all-star weekend and we go out to the lake county captains game you're saying we probably will not see tyler freeman it's a good question so so that he would be the stop on the Midwest League. So Tyler Freeman spent the whole season in the New York Penn League, which is is kind of interesting in itself. You know, you have another prospect like Richie Palacios, another Indian, who tore up the New York Penn League for just a short time that he was there. Um, but Tyler Freeman was there for, you know, it's a short season, so he was there for the short season. So it's very possible that we'll see him in Lake County, and I'm really glad to be able to make the trip myself. And, All right. So that yeah. that's that's uh is that full season Lake County? Exactly. Yeah. So that would be the Midwest League stop for the Indians. So we might be able to catch him there. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Who else do you, uh, who else did you like that um, kind of popped up from their uh, short season last year? Yeah, a couple other guys. I think one for me is Sean Reynolds. Sean Reynolds is a big six foot seven first base, some outfield experience for the Miami Marlins. Uh, he played for the Batavia Muck Dogs as their affiliate. And, you know, you see Sean Reynolds and and he just has really impressive raw power. Uh, the, the ball just explodes off his bat. And, you know, on the one hand, some prospectors look at a f- over 40% K rate and they're like, how is this guy relevant? But there's a couple important things to know about Sean Reynolds. Um, first off is he was found by the, the same area scout who found Giancarlo Stanton uh, out in California um, when, because of course, Giancarlo came up with the Marlins and, and the, and the Marlins, spent a fourth round pick on Reynolds and he was a two-way player. So he came up as a pitcher. So he's a six foot seven uh, slugger who 
you know, is, is really a first baseman just by, by default, just because of his size, but he's, he's a really good athlete. He had double digit stolen bases. So I'm really excited about Sean Reynolds. The Marlins are really excited about him. And I think he's, you know, feels like a high character guy and, you know, definitely one that's exciting. Um, and then for you, Scott, um, I was really very happy to see Jaron Duran come through um, when the Lowell Spinners came yeah. uh, for the Boston Red Sox. So Jaron Duran was hitting leadoff, and he was the Red Sox, I believe it was their seventh round pick this year. Yeah. And he's he just flies, and he, can, he has great on-base ability. And the Red Sox are really good at developing hitters. And so I really feel like Jaron Duran is, is just a dynamic athlete. He's a second baseman. So, you know, there may be a path to playing time there eventually. Or as the Red Sox continue to just try and uh, fight for titles, flags fly forever, that Jaron Duran may wind up in another organization. But, um those are some guys that I'm really excited about. Yeah, I really like Duran. Jake and I were uh, just touching on him a little earlier uh, as I was going through some of my Red Sox top 50 prospects to keep an eye on. Uh, Sean Reynolds came in at number 50 on uh, Stoffer's Marlins top 50 prospects. So just making the cut there. Um, appreciate you bringing him up. So as we transition here, uh, you are – our Mets correspondent for now, um, among other things that you do for the site, and I appreciate all your help. Um, who are your Mets prospect crushes, uh, if you had to you know, list out a few? Sure. So really the biggest story out of Mets camp right now is Pete Alonzo. So it's, it's been the Pete Alonzo show for about a year. And it's really amazing to see, I think, just even beyond the fan base of the Mets to see just how baseball has really embraced this guy. I think he's really approachable. Um, He's clearly just has prodigious power. But I think more so than that, he's really taken steps forward this year to be a really complete hitter. Uh, He's able to... You'll see on two strikes, he'll, he's able to go the other way with authority. And I think whenever the big league call-up for him happens, it's still going to be having being able to make contact with spin. And But he absolutely can lose a fastball. So, uh, And everyone saw the Josh Reddick uh, spring training moment where uh, Pete Alonzo was covering first base and Josh Reddick ran, ran into him like a brick wall. And yeah, I think there's really, uh, it's just such a metaphorical moment. I think just because Pete Alonzo has been just such a presence for the Mets and, and the lineup just really needs him. They're so left-handed and I really hope that he breaks camp with the team. You know, it, he's a 20, I believe he's 24. Um, but, you know, if, if we're talking about two weeks of service time for when he's going to be 31 or 32, it's and, and if the Mets truly want to have field their best team, then Alonzo's going to be on it. So, I agree. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. He's um, he should be with them. Yeah, he's twenty four, so you're right on there, and um, it, it'll be a difference maker. Uh, he's going to have some swing and miss, but if he can manage the field, you know, and doesn't have to be a gold glover, then he'll fit right in with their lineup. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on Alonzo? Yeah, I can't say I would be surprised if he started the season in the minor leagues because nothing the Mets do surprise me anymore. Um, but what I will say is if they're really going after it the way they are, trading off Kellenic and trading off Dunn and t- bringing in Robinson Cano and, and potentially one of the game's best closers, then to me it seems like they want to field the best team they can all season long, especially in a tough division. And there's no doubt in my mind that Pete Alonso makes them much better with an extra two weeks at the beginning of the year, uh, holding down first base, you know, it's almost the the same argument that the Braves had with Ronald Acuna last year. Obviously they played above expectations, but the Braves did not field their best team, um, for the entire campaign last year. And I think the Mets now with, with the moves, the Phillies and the nationals have made are going to, going to do that. And and I hope they do right by him. I love the guy. Agreed. So some people might be surprised that, uh, Pete Alonso is actually number two on Ben's top 50 Mets list. And I wanted to ask you about that because, Ben, you've got another guy up at your top spot. Yeah, I. if you look, I think, across the industry, it's Andres Jimenez is the consensus number one prospect. And I think that makes a lot of sense in many ways. Um. I think my update right now would have Pete Alonso as number one. And it doesn't only have to do with proximity because, but, and, and, and it's not to take anything away from Andres Jimenez because he's been doing so many tremendous things at such a young age and the Mets have pushed him pretty aggressively, uh, but really more so of what Pete Alonso's doing. And just continuing to do it on a bigger and bigger stage. So, you know, the, the game is really moving and is just so power heavy. And I think his impact on the Mets is just so important that really just looking organizationally, that's such a void. And the Mets are pretty well set in the middle infield, you know, with Ahmed Rosario and Robinson Cano. So, they're really going to have to figure out where Andres Jimenez lies. But I think Jimenez is a tremendous player. He can really drive the ball the other way. He has a strong lower half. And power is definitely going to be coming for him. There's no question about that for me. So, uh, But I think right now, updating the list, you know, about six weeks after, I think Pete Alonso gets the top spot for me. I have one knock on Andres uh, Jimenez, just one. And Jake, you might agree with me on this. Uh, he's got one of the worst autograph signatures on a baseball card. I mean, he's, it's a little scribble. It's, I mean, come on. Otherwise, I love the kid. Speaking of, while we're on the topic, Pete Alonzo, <laughs> the, the, the spring that Pete Alonzo has had, his Bowman Chromes are through the roof right now. So if you guys are holding on to one of those, go ahead and start selling. Uh, I just pulled a Bowman paper from uh, 2018 Bowman. You know, it's not a Chrome and it's not his first, but at least I got an autograph Alonzo card. Yeah. So, um, all right. I'm just going to, Ben, I know you're going to bring up some guys, but I want to move on to one. uh, And I'm quoting you here. And it says, no mistake about it. 
He is the heir apparent to David Wright at the hot corner. Tell us about who this is. Yeah, this is Mark Vientos. So Mark Vientos came in at number three on my January top 50. I still think he's there. I, I think he's number three in the organization, but this is just a really exciting player. He has the chance to be a 60 hit, 60 game power guy. And he's super young for his age, for his level, uh, comes from a great school, uh, Florida American, uh, the Heritage High School. Um, just checked a lot of really important boxes this year. He doubled his walk rate. He upped his fly ball rate. His ISO climbed nearly 70 points. So this is definitely... Uh, a player that has gotten some love lately, I think, in the in top hundred world, for sure. I think as the calendars turn to twenty nineteen, and people are really circling Vientos as a guy who could break out in a big way, and I agree with that. And in many ways, he already has started to break out just because of those. He's able to pick up spin better, and. You know, again, he could be, depending on how the power plays out, this is anyone who could be a, a number two through five hitter in the order. And, and, the, and, and the Mets have a great track record of, of homegrown talent. Just looking at their roster right now, they have so many guys that they've developed. And so you have to take guys like Mark Vientos very seriously. The pedigree is real, and I think the performance is real. Interesting. I know Jake. Uh, Jake likes Vientos a lot too. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's my. I wouldn't say he's the best player in the system. I do think he is my favorite player in the system. I. I, I like the power swing and, and that. Um, I know he's a lot younger than uh, Alonzo is, but thinking about Vientos and Alonzo on the corners and, and maybe Jimenez and I don't know maybe move Rosario over to second base after after Cano's gone. Uh, there's a lot of. I have a lot of uh, visions for the, for this Mets infield, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun down the road. So since we're a little short on time here as we're coming to the end of our episode one, Ben, can you give us a few more, maybe someone else in the Mets system that's maybe in the top 30 of your list, the middle of your list, and then down towards the bottom? Yeah. So one guy I'm really excited about is Shervey and Newton. Um, John Calvagno wrote up uh, and saw a couple of looks at him during his time in the Sally League. Um, I think this is a guy that really could be just a big-time player, both in real life and fantasy. And for Newton, I was really, at the time, I was flip-flopping between Ronnie Mauricio and Newton. And, you know, I think some things with, with Newton... You know, he he was buoyed by a really high BABIP last year. And it's not to say that he can't produce, um, but it's going to be really interesting to see what, what he does um, because his tools are just so loud. And um, he could be this year's O'Neill Cruz, just as sort of a taller, really athletic, toolsy guy who I think he doesn't quite have the 80 raw power that O'Neill Cruz does, but. This is a could be a 30 home run, 15 steal bat, which is pretty serious. So 
depending on where he ends up in the field, he's played all all infield positions. So I think this year is going to be really critical for him, but he's definitely a surefire top five. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you, um, you've got him listed as number five on your top 50. You did basically denote him as a shortstop third base. So I was going to ask you where you thought he was going to get most of his time this year. Yeah, so it's possible that he's the one that moves to the outfield, if that's how the cookie crumbles, because there's going to be you know, Ronnie Mauricio is another huge in field prospect and uh whether it's vientos or um andres jimenez i mean these are all good defenders on the left side of the infield so it's possible i could see newton being second base but he's six four so he could end up at first base or he'd be just fine in a corner outfield spot he doesn't have a frozen rope of an arm but he he has a totally solid arm so he, he, I think he's such an athlete and his all around skill set. I think he's, he could be really versatile. Cool. All right. So I would say another, another guy towards the middle of the list who's definitely gotten some helium lately is junior Santos. He's a big right-handed pitcher. Um, he's six foot eight. Yeah. And he's a Dominican right-hander and he debuted stateside last year as a 16-year-old, which is just an amazing accomplishment. So he's a guy that is, has, has good command and has developing secondaries. He's so young. So I think as time goes on, he'll get really iron out what kind of curveball he wants, if it's going to be... Uh, more of a hard slider, whether it's going to be a slower curveball, maybe both. And like so many pitchers, he's developing his feel for his changeup. And unless that's a primary offering for, you know, a lead secondaries, that's a pitch that's going to take time to develop. So the Mets are probably going to slow burn him because he is so young. And but I think he could be really special. And you know, a couple other guys, um, Cesar Luiza or Cesar Luiza is a Venezuelan lefty. He's 6'3 and has the chance to stick in the rotation. So unlike Santos, who is all of a sudden making a lot of top 30s, um, top 20s, I've seen him as in the teens, um, sort of out of nowhere in a way. Um, I don't want to say that I'm the hipster on Junior Santos, but he was on my midseason list last year, and all of a sudden is just shot up lists. So, you know, if you're it, the the time to get on the Junior Santos train is now for sure. Yeah, you've um, got... and Cesar Luiz is a little bit less known right now, but you know, six three lefty with developing secondaries and the chance to stick in the rotation is definitely exciting. And just has a really smooth, beautiful delivery. So um, that's an exciting guy. Very cool to see that Santos jumped from 46 on your midseason top 50 last year up to 25 uh, just this past January. And uh, that was with the 
uh, you had said uh, stateside debut uh, being so young. He's down with the Gulf Coast League Mets in Florida. So we'll probably see him down there for at least another couple years. And then uh, Luisa, you've got at number 37 uh, on your top 50 list. So uh, give us one more name, maybe someone that's, I don't know, in the 40 to 50 range. Sure. Well, I'll give you somebody who didn't even make the list. Oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, is is Jalen Palmer? So, uh, Jalen Palmer is was a draft pick from last year. He was a twenty second rounder, and just a really good athlete, and really exciting. I think for the Mets because he's a local kid. He was born in Brooklyn, and uh, you know went to high school in Flushing, and you know, really good athlete, and there's some power speed here, and has the chance to stick on the infield. So I would say, with the ability to cut his K rate, which is above thirty percent in rookie ball, um, he he should be uh, well up this list um, by midseason. So I think for me. Jalen Palmer is definitely an exciting guy um, who I actually highlighted as one of the one of the guys um, from our article who uh, missed the top 50, but was definitely an exciting guy. Um, And then just really quick, you know, someone who's on the list, uh, number 42 is Ryder Ryan. So Ryan is a guy who is a reliever. They acquired him from the Cleveland Indians. And the Mets have a history, a particularly recent history of getting guys from the Cleveland Indians. So you have Kyle Dowdy, who is their Rule 5 pick. Um, They made a trade for Walker Lockett and Sam Haggerty this offseason. So there's kind of an infusion of these Cleveland Indians guys. Um, But Ryder Ryan is a guy who can contribute in the bullpen this year. At the big league level, I think the Mets are really excited with what they have. Um, but it really looks like the bullpen contributor from these ranks is going to be number 31, who's Eric Hanhold. Um, he's a sinker slider guy, misses a lot of bats, and he actually just was reassigned to minor league camp yesterday. So he was a guy that stuck around quite a bit in spring training for the Mets. All right. Well, wow. Really good information on the Mets system. Uh, a lot of players that we definitely want to watch as uh, spring training uh, winds down and we get into the minor league season. Ben, it's been awesome having you on. If you uh, want to follow Ben on Twitter, he's at TBDubs11. Uh, check out his Mets coverage on prospects1500.com. And uh, he'll be uh, catching us up on the New York Penn League action later this summer as well. Ben, appreciate you uh, joining us. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me on. All right. Jake and I will be back to wrap up uh, episode one of Futures Focus in just a minute. All right, welcome back to Futures Focus, Prospects 1500 podcast. Uh, we're going to wrap things up now. I'm Scott Green, Jake Barry. Thank you to uh, Ben Wilson for joining us, talk about the Mets and New York Penn League. 
So, uh, Jake, I think it's been a pretty good first episode. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of ground to cover as we get into the baseball season 2019. Um, again, if uh, you want to follow, I don't think we even dropped our handle. So uh, you can follow Jake on Twitter at Berries underscore baseball. Um, and Jake, any other uh, platforms, websites you want to just throw out there for people to follow you on? Yeah, so interact with me at Barry's underscore baseball, as Scott said. Uh, I'm on Twitter quite often, and, and I usually get back to, to all the comments from my posts uh, that are shared with me on Twitter and on the sites themselves. Um, you can find me, obviously, at Prospects1500, uh, contributing with the Rangers and looking forward to getting the prospects of the week started uh, around opening day. And then you can also find some of my work over at legendsondeck.com as well. All right. Sounds good. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scotty underscore ball game. That's S-C-O-T-T-Y underscore ball game. Um, you can, of course, uh, Prospects 1500. We are growing. We're, uh, we're on Twitter at Prospects 1500. The website, Prospects1500.com. We're also over on Facebook and Instagram. Not uh, We're growing there. Not as much content on those platforms yet, but uh, certainly we'll be there and YouTube as well. Um, we are going to have some uh, some great guests coming up as we go along here, uh, it, rounding out March and into April. And uh, Jake, anything else you want to just uh, finish off with here? Scott, I think you need to sh uh, shout out the Futures Focus logo before we sign off here. Yeah, well, uh, definitely. I, I appreciate you bringing that up. John Stewart, who is our um, Cleveland Indians correspondent, and he's a graphic designer. Uh, he put together a really, really cool logo. Uh, been through a few uh, changes here uh, as we get it ready to launch, and when we hopefully uh, it's on with this podcast uh, as we go live. Um, it came out great. Um, would love some feedback on it, and uh, maybe that will uh, get us jump started into you know some other areas of the podcast as we go and. They may maybe have some other designs too, but shout out to John Stewart at uh, J O N A N C E on Twitter. And um, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it was a lot of fun today. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks everyone for uh, listening. This is Futures Focus Prospects 1500 podcast, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you next time.